0: It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class.
1: What's up? Lacrosse fans, welcome back to Lax Class. Episode one sixty-six is now underway. Thanks for joining us here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. My name is Jake Elliott, My co-host name is Brad Challoner, And Bradley, let's get you in off the top here. Uh, week six is now in the rearview mirror as we look ahead to week number seven and what a week it was welcome back to the pod uh monday afternoon here gloomy gray stormy what's going on how you doing
2: i'm doing great man turn your camera on friend oh yeah i I like to see you
1: yeah sorry man
2: it made it helps with the helps with the chemistry probably could have said that
1: before i I hit record there there. you are (laughs) no the
2: people like to people need to know you've People need to know that you're, uh, I don't know why you were hiding or why you forgot, but no, it's nice to nice to see your face again. Yeah. After hanging out on Friday night at Rogers Arena, which was pretty... What a time. Pretty special, may I say so myself. Yeah. It's been a long time coming.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Uh, what was it? 1,357 days since we had done that. And uh, a little well, rust to for, shake off for, for sure, but uh, we got through it. It went, went pretty and
2: well. And for people that don't know our history together... we've been calling WLA and junior games together on and off since 2007. Yeah. And (laughs) when it wasn't even a dream that the national lacrosse league would come back to Vancouver, I think it's obviously something we both hoped would happen one day and kind of dreamed of, but you know, and then you working with Minnesota and I started working with the stealth and the stealth moved to Langley, but to get a game together, in rogers arena like you know the holy grail the mecca of sports in the lower mainland and the jim the, robson the broadcast the,
1: booth yeah
2: jim robson broadcast gondola that it, the, a lot of the our broadcast heroes have haunted those halls and have their quotes and their pictures on the wall like you know yeah so you and i've worked together for like 15 years but never got to do a game on the biggest stage in the biggest arena so that was that was pretty special it
1: friend. was man uh, and what a game it was we will talk about that uh, momentarily here in the week that was but we got lots of other things to talk about on the podcast as well uh what do we have to talk about we got quick sticks in quarter three uh Lats glass locks and of course who you got for game our week number seven is coming up in quarter number four we got the assistant general manager of the Philadelphia Wings, Landon Miller, who I found this out just uh, kind of doing a little research and talking to Paul Day. Landon is actually living in West Bank in Kelowna. Did you know this, Brett? The AGM of the Philadelphia Wings is making the trip to Philly from K Town. That is a haul.
2: That's a hell and beautiful place to live, too. Like anybody that can live and work and play in the Okanagan. I know there's a, there's a Garrett McIntosh lives in Penticton. Um, we heard Kurt Wegar on the off the Crossbar last week. He somehow, for some reason located to Kelowna, like the, the, Oh, the interior of BC is one of my favorite places. Oh, it's, Amazing. In Canada, yeah. like Kelowna, West Bank, Penticton, all of that is, Vernon, yeah. is a beautiful place to be summer or winter time. Like you got to live, work and play all year long. So totally. I, I envy anybody who can who can make it happen up there.
1: Yeah. So looking forward to this former GM of the Iroquois Nationals as well. Spent a long time with the Six Nations Arrows winning some Mito Cups. And of course, uh, of Indigenous descent in a, in a big week, kicking off uh, week six, NLL unites, Every Child Matters, all the players wearing their t-shirts and raising money. Uh, it was a real special week in the NLL, and we want to talk to Landon Miller about it all, who got himself uh, in his Philly wings in the wind column over the week end as well. So good things happening down there in the city of brotherly love out of the gates, and Stampede Stallions are back as well, Bradley, because uh, we got some games to talk about. So what should we do? You want to just jump right into it? Anything else on your mind you want to get off? Who you liking between uh, Georgia and, and Alabama and the, the college football championship coming up here in a couple hours?
2: Ever seen a college football game Come in
1: on. my life? Absolutely. Just not... not just disinterested.
2: College football is not on my radar whatsoever.
1: Watch the game tonight get that off your bucket list. National right. Championship right. game. Two of the perennial powerhouses in college football are going to clash in a big rematch. Lots of storylines in that. Watch that game tonight, the, bro. Who are the
2: who are the teams?
1: Georgia Bulldogs and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Okay,
2: and doesn't Alabama win like every year? Yes,
1: they do. But now they got their well, former that, that, that coach Kirby Smart going up against their former team. A little revenge as well, as Georgia was the best team in the country all season long. Alabama beat them in the SEC Championship. But now they they meet again here in the national title game. So a little chance for redemption for Georgia. And Anyways, let's talk about the week that was in the National Cross League. It was a wild one, Bradley, and it started off friday night as we just mentioned in vancouver as the colorado mammoth came to town and kind of the first trickle down of the covid protocols is vancouver without keegan ball justin salt owen barker and colorado missing warren jeffrey and zed williams for this one everybody thought this was going to be a low scoring tight checking (laughs) defensive battle Anything but in this one as Vancouver jumps out to a 7-0 lead four and a half minutes into this game. Yes, you heard correctly. Up 10-2 at one point. But then Colorado flipped the switch, and we're looking at 12-10 at halftime. 18-15, your final, as the Mammoth come all the way back in this one. 33 Genos. Ryan Lee with 12 points in this one. Ward was chased, Bouquet was chased. That like guys just could not miss. This was a nutso game.
2: It had absolutely everything, and I've never seen. Uh, l- let's just say that was the that was the best fifteen minutes. I don't know. I maybe I've ever seen the Vancouver Warriors as a franchise play to open the game. Like your call on the six nothing goal was, what is happening? <laughs> what is because going we, we on? We hadn't here? seen that. Like we had <laughs> never seen an onslaught. And if you want to dig into history, it's 2010 that the franchise, if you go back to stealth days, started a game 7-0. Hasn't happened ever. Let's start history scratch with the Vancouver Warriors. Yeah. Best 15 minutes I've ever seen them put together. That onslaught was unreal. Tyrell Hammer Jackson was just winning face-off after face-off and getting possessions. Scored They're scoring a five-on-five. Goal, five, seven goals in 435, a dominant Dominant
1: performance. It was fourteen it nothing in shots out of the gate too. Yeah,
2: I was gonna say they didn't even allow a shot for the for, till the first TV timeout, and things were looking good. Bouquet was looking good. bowering probably ten loose balls well, by it's Easy then. to like, look good
1: when you don't have to stop a shot.
2: <laughs> exactly. Everything was everything was going right, and yeah. you know, thinking about this game and and going back and watching highlights, like I'm trying to figure out where it started to go wrong and what happened for Vancouver, but like I can't. I can't really pinpoint it, you know. Like it's not like they looked, not like they rolled over. No, they didn't. Col- like, Big, Colorado's biggest run was only four goals. So they would score three, and Vancouver would get one. Then they would score three or four, and Vancouver kept would chipping, get one, and then chip
1: and chip and that away. just
2: kept happening. And after Bouquet got ch- chased, they just couldn't couldn't get a stop, couldn't get a save, couldn't get you know a power play goal to turn the tide or anything. Nah. Like it was just a, a a chip away onslaught, and you can't walk away and look like. Oh, that was Vancouver rolled over and they're never again recover from that. Cause like, I don't think that they look bad in that game, but just credit to the Colorado Mammoth who stuck with it and made it look like seven nothing and 10 two never happened. Yeah. And they went, and that's out, hard some to of do. That's games, really like,
1: I don't care. Like, that. I mean, it's human nature when you get up like that, that maybe you take your foot off the pedal. But I like, I didn't see that. I think Colorado just found another gear. Tyler Carlson does what Tyler Carlson does when he's called upon. I don't. Like he couldn't. He's not a good starter. Uh, no disrespect, if you know what I'm saying. But Tyler Carlson is not a great starter. But throw him in that situation where there's absolutely no pressure on him. Like you're dead. Like give us some minutes here, TC, and somehow he finds a way. Vancouver still puts up 15, and and I'm not like ready to push a panic button here or anything after this one, Brad. Like you look at their 10 goals against Saskatchewan, eight against panther city seven against san diego this i think is a one-off here i don't i know like this is going to happen once in a while this was just a wacky game from start to finish you
2: No, know, and if you're looking for more positives every single offensive player in that lineup for vancouver scored and i can't remember a time you could say that as well when they got seven deep on the offensive side of the ball everybody's scoring goals so yeah. that's that's nice put up 15 I don't think- without ball yeah, I don't think it's broken. Nope. I think they missed their defensive players more than they missed Keegan Ball. They missed Owen Barker's grit and Selfie. aggression yeah. and tenacity, and they missed Justin Salt picking off passes and starting transition too, right? So, yeah. and again, Some I, I think there, I know I who think. the Mammoth are yeah. now. I know the big thing leading up was who are the Mammoth? They they score 16 one week and they score four the next and they squeak one out and then they put 18 up on Vancouver. So I think the Colorado Mammoth are for real. What I've seen of them now I think it's for real for Colorado. I think the concern for the mammoth now is like, how do you fit Zed Williams back in? It's like, almost looked better without Zed.
1: Yeah. Crazy. I know he's a fantastic
2: it. player, yeah, but ball, the ball was flying around and not dying at all. It's
1: weird how that happens. Hey, Brad, like you can just, sometimes it's addition by subtraction. I'm not saying that's not the case here, but sometimes on offenses, pieces just don't fit together. And you take a guy out or you put a different guy in and all of a sudden things just click for you. And it, it's one game. We'll see what happens moving along here. But uh, Colorado gets it done three and one now mammoth uh, as are the San Diego seals who got a big game coming up this week. We'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. Let's uh, skip along to Philadelphia here. This was really entertaining. Start to finish. I would say The Philadelphia Wings top the Georgia Swarm as Lyle Thompson, big night here for, well, big morning, I should say, as this one goes down at 9 a.m. in the morning here on the West Coast, but big morning for Lyle Thompson, but it's uh, Blazer, Blaze Reardon with the OT winner, 12-11 Wings as they pick up another W.
2: First of all, how nice was that 9 a.m. West Coast? The best.
1: Well, mind you... uh, I didn't sleep Hair a the whole dog. lot, but yeah, I got up and watched that thing. Hair
2: of the dog. You roll out of bed on the West Coast and there's National cross League action. The same thing's going to happen next weekend when Albany is in Philadelphia. There's a lot of football going on, a lot of hockey going basketball going on. So there's a lot of 9 a.m. starts happening in in Philadelphia. We'll get Landon Miller's take on that in a few minutes. So yeah, this one was the exact opposite of the Vancouver-Colorado game. Like This was back and forth lead changes throughout. Squeaking it out right to the very end, and then Matt Rambo doesn't run out the clock, and has to buy Blaze Reed and a beer because oh, they go man. to overtime, and Holy this is where wow, like what Brad that's a brain fart, yeah. brain fart, and you can see Paul Day if you like, can read lips. Go watch doing? back how when he went to the bench after that, and like I don't know, he went at Rambo, then I can't remember. It was I think it was Kyle marr that he kind of looked at. It was almost like he was instilling in the rookie like don't ever yeah. do that. <laughs> what you just saw don't ever i don't know if i would have been recon- able to maintain
1: my composure as well as paul did if if that happened and i was holy cow and then yeah and then, and then of course right and like you know very bomber and then
2: they go to ot yeah and of course it's a trevor baptiste face off into a timeout into a set play into the ball in the back of the net and and game over and credit to blaze reardon like you know in, in in what world is that shot not coming from Corey small? Like in every other year on any other team, you know, that's a, that's a two man game pop out for a wide open shot for Corey small. We saw it all the time in Buffalo. We saw it all the time in Vancouver, yeah. but blaze Reardon, in the hot hand, the Hattrick goal, sticking up for his buddy Rambo. And that was, that was a nice gutsy finish. And you know, the guy that we haven't mentioned either is, is Eric Penny. Yeah, he comes in save. ice cold for his first game of the year Unruh. and the yeah, swarm Higgy goes on 11.
1: protocol and in goes penny i think 50 stops in that one coming all the way across the country there and the continent from from this side of the the country to to get to philly and, and step into a team that you know he's never played behind and doesn't really know a whole lot of people there like it, that that's a tough situation for a goalie and i thought eric did uh very well it's great to see and uh so philly gets it done On their home floor and uh, looked like Benny Mac kind of found his spot there in that offense in that game as well. I thought he had kind of struggled out of the gates, but he really started to find his looks. I think he had four in that game and just looked a lot more comfortable working in the offense. Baptista impressive in the faceoff dot once again. Where to next? Uh, Well, of course, the the Calgary-Rochester game postponed. That was unfortunate, but two more games uh, in the afternoon slate as Albany looking for their first victory of the year, Brad. And I, like many others, did not see this coming from the Firewolves. Of course, they always have a chance to win, but to absolutely drub the Saskatchewan rush and hold that team to five goals, scoreless in the fourth quarter, ten five your final in this one. Nardella the first star. Dougie look like Dougie. And Albany is in the win column. Ten five over the rush. Who are now one and three.
2: The Benny boost. Ryan Banesh boost to Albany who gets two goals, but yeah, I think more surprise. like I, I've believed in Albany. I do. I still believe in Albany. I think they've got a good chance to be a playoff lacrosse team and nice to see them get it into the win column and head it in the right direction. What's more impressive, or I guess concerning for the rush is laying five goals on and yeah, Dougie Jamison looked good. Albany defense was fantastic. We'll get to that in the, uh, in the stallion here in a couple of minutes. It was tough to pick one because I think, this young sort of rolling into their prime core that they have is, is something special with Walkinson and Nishimira and Tony Malcolm. And they've all sort of come up together on this team now. And it's yeah, all sort good of coming core. Good core. to fruition. Great, great core. And yeah, Dougie looked good, but the rush, you got to be a little bit concerned in rush zone. Like I'm well, watching the game San Diego and I'm thinking, this week, Brad, like, <laughs> they're in trouble, man. They're, they're in trouble. You just mentioned Ben McIntosh. Like they really miss. It's just not Ben the same McIntosh. without like, Lindner like, had a bunch forget- of shots and a shot, but Lindner doesn't score like Ben McIntosh does. And you think anybody can stand on the crease and get passes from Mark Matthews, but you can't. Like there was, there was second nature that they had, that wizardry, that chemistry that the rush has had over the years that I'm not seeing right now.
1: Add to that Dinsdale, Brad, like the utility man that kind of did it all For that offense, did whatever they needed Him to do And you're right, like I just don't think Mallory Courier, Or Littner Really, f- there's a perfect Example of what I was talking about Taking one guy out of a lineup How it can change everything Well they took two out And it's it's just different in Saskatchewan And, the, and they're still trying to figure it out Let's not forget Jeff Shatler two years older now as well, Brad, like for a yeah, guy at that age and, and to miss out. And like, that's, that's tough on a guy like that. And Ryan Keenan got carried off the floor at the end yeah, of that
2: game. i right. like to see what, uh, what's going on with him. Cause that didn't look, I don't know if it was a cramp yeah, young or a Marshall there, right? Like didn't look good. Palace hasn't really, he's just, it's so young to have an 18 year old trying to do what, what he's doing there. Yeah. However old he is, it's 20. It's, it's tough. It's you tough.
1: wonder if they, might want Connor Robinson back at this point, who, what did he have, Brad, four or something for, for the Mammoth? And looks like he's going to play a prominent role in their offense uh, this season for sure. So 10-5 Albany in the win column over the rush. Buffalo, Tucker out lymphoma night, Brad, which is always one of the most special evenings in the National Across League season. Special jerseys done up, of course, and, and raising money and, and thinking about Tucker and the Williams family. All friendly before this one. Picture at center floor, arm in arm, all the rest of it. Uh, come the fourth quarter, things were not so friendly. Billy Hostrauser just teeing off on Sturos, who I'm glad looks to be okay. That could have been really, really bad because it was just swinging for the fences, and holy cow! And then. I mean, yeah, and why? Oh, like, I, I yeah. couldn't figure
2: out. Trying to scroll back, I'm like, why did he? Why did he pick Sturros? And I know it, it kind of happened off camera. Like, obviously those 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 defensive bodies are the way that that game was going. I think Parillo was, the was in the box. I think... but what he just Grudd who was ever closest? And it's just the youngest guy Snapchat. on the team. I I didn't get that. Uh, I, I don't remember who else was on the floor. And but probably you know, you should around, have
1: you know realized. There's Noseworthy.
2: There's O'Connor. There's other guys he could probably try to dance with and knows where he does go after with, um,
1: I can't remember. With, there was so yeah, much going on there. It might've been Fraser, but then like a massive melee <laughs> Rosie kind of got involved. Sheldon and Burns, was like, sorry, Sheldon yeah.
2: Burns. yeah, but that was, that's it's, that was rivalry lacrosse. It's oh, kind man. of, Bandits fans eating it up. Like it's it's everything that Fraser I Fraser blood all over from a, his
1: face, hanging it up you to want the crowd. From a yeah. bandits
2: rock rivalry. Yeah, Fraser's throwing his arms up in the air. All the you know, the Buffalo Boys, Dane Smith and Cloutier and Josh Burns, Fraser all having really big nights, like that offense still looking unreal, and Matt Vince still looking unbeatable. Like the bandits yeah. are three and zero, oh and
1: pandemic hasn't hurt him. That's I don't sure. think they're
2: heading in any other direction. No, these guys are primed, they've got a taste of Championship now with the with the guys on that team from the chaos like there's just
1: Good it dude.
2: seems like there's a winning culture and Toronto without their two two of their big guns no and Dawson Doss and no Schreiber, Schreiber. Yeah. but it's that tough. was uh yeah that was that was a tough look and so like two weeks in a row we get games that end with melees. Yeah. and Anson I Carter don't, I, don't uh, know, I don't know I don't know if it's what the National Lacrosse League necessarily wants and know the crowd reading it I up, don't know I Brad. If
1: Something's going to get clamped
2: down here in the next
1: couple weeks. People are taking notice, and famous people at that, and they seem to be quite enjoying it. I saw Jessica Berman invite Anson Carter, former Vancouver Canuck, to any game of his choosing because he just happened to stumble across the the replay of the Buffalo-Toronto game and was just his mind was blown about what he was seeing at the end of that game. So Jessica was like, anytime, Anson, you're welcome to come check out some NLL live, which, uh, you know, so good, bad, whatever people are taking notice. And uh, those two teams, I think will play two more times this year. So buckle up for that one more game. The night capper there on Saturday night. And we found out both starting goaltenders were put on the COVID protocol list just before, Face-off in this one. So no Shiliano, no Orleman as 19-year-old Chris Origlieri got it out there that first time. Leeds a backstops his youngest player in the National Lacrosse League. Backstops his San Diego Seals to a 15-12 victory there at the end of this one Is Panther City still looking for their first win. But San Diego now atop the West with those Colorado Mammoth uh, tip to tail pretty tight. Contest here, uh one goal, two goal game at halftime, and and pretty even throughout the second half as well. Empty netter to kind of seal it off, but game effort from Panther City, but just not quite enough. Dobie with five, Bergie with three, and Mac O'Keefe continues to improve every time he steps in between the boards.
2: he be on pace for seventy-two, which would try the record right now. He scored. Four goals a game. He leads the league with sixteen through, through four games. If he keeps that up, he's in Dane, Dane Smith, Ethan Iannucci territory. Um, is he the Alex Ovechkin of the National Lacrosse League? Yes, it's beautiful. Hot take here's, right there. That's hot. That's hot. That's really hot. Here, here's why. Like Ovi always put up numbers, but and he, everybody know Ovi was great, but I don't think Ovi ever got the respect he did until he started doing it in his thirties. Like, yeah, he was great, but it was when he started keeping those numbers up into his thirties that everybody stopped back and said, you know what? We're seeing
1: history in the making a record, and like that a real special goaltender thought would be broken, Brad ever. No. And it's going to be.
2: And Doby's not going to break. Yeah. And Doby's not going to break the national lacrosse league goal record at this rate, but no. the numbers that he's putting up and being an MVP candidate and probably going to be an MVP candidate again this year, at the age that he's doing it, I think it is unbelievable. So I think stop back, step back, take note of how special Dane Doby is right now if you haven't appreciated him throughout his career. The other thing about this game is that, yeah, San Diego's offense just looks fantastic again. Yeah. Like Austin Stotts is just doing Austin Stotts things. Westberg has put up numbers. Jeremy Noble stirring that drink again and talked about him a couple weeks ago. They're, uh, they got something special building there. But again, like this is similar to, the Vancouver game, another high scoring one, you know, 18-15 in Vancouver, 15-12 in Panther City. And is this what we see is this what the National Lacrosse League is going to look like with the next wave of
1: I think so. Defenders? I think this is what I think this this is right where they want it. I think it's right where they want it. 12 in between 12 and 15 goals per team I think is the sweet spot. It's a lot. It it's is. It's a,
2: like like to me to my what was your most entertaining game tip to tail? this weekend. Wow. Well, like as a fan, Philly, Georgia. See, I liked overtime, 12, 11. I liked Albany and Saskatchewan, 15 goals, Firewolves yeah. rush. Like to, I don't know. For some reason that game had me very intrigued just by, maybe I'm waiting for the rush to get into it. But like, that was a 15 goal game. You liked the 22 I'm gonna goal. i going to have
1: to game. get a cold take uh, soundbite now after that, Brett 10, five. And that's your 10, five. As far as,
2: but it was it was like eight five late, and then still anyone's lacrosse game, right? Yeah. So what I meant was that that game had
1: any team that scores five goals is struggling, and it's not entertaining when your offense is struggling. Like but of- it's
2: more. My point is more of the defensive slug fest that it was I'm- for the majority of that game because Albany didn't put up ten until late in that fourth quarter. Right. I'm
1: good with a good pitching duel, goaltending battle, eight seven nine eight. Type game but that is, I don't think that 10 5 thing was it. Like, I, I know what you're saying, but I don't think that's a good example of it. Was m- what more you're entertaining for me than I think of
2: a 15 12 game where well, and I know people, fine. people were chirping online about the Vancouver game where like every shot was going in in the, yeah, that, in the second know. and third quarters for both teams, right? So, like, I don't at think some that's point, good either. At some point, it's too much.
1: 12 11 overtime, right in the sweet spot if you ask yeah me. that
2: that those yeah those are your two your wings in your swarm game and your firewalls rush games i think were my two my two favorites as far as like back and forth not everything falling in you can get a good stop that sort of changes the momentum a little bit you can get a good defensive stand that's just where i'm going with that i hope every game is not 18
1: 15 15 so 12 all right me too let's head for the stables <laughs> <laughs> Horse noises, please, Brad, go. No, try again. Okay. There you go, that's what we good. good horsey, good horsey. Uh, we've reached the Stampede Stallions here. It's now time for the Stampede Stallions of the Week. We told you all about Stampede tack already. Uh, Brad, I will uh, defer to you. Feel free to let the fans know who your Stallion of the Week is.
2: I alluded to this a second ago. It could have been anybody from that defensive core for the Albany Firewolves, but I'm going to go with John LaFontaine, Johnny, six wow. loose balls, yeah. two cause turnovers, a leader on this team now. And I think maybe like the first one of the, like the first guy to leave the rush dynasty, right? Like he only won two there, but he left after the 2017 finals to go over to new England. Yeah. Um, and I think really sort of brought that pedigree with him. And winning yeah, he's culture, not
1: right?
2: brought the winning culture with them. And I think that he's been a real leader and a real voice in that room for the Albany Firewolves. And he sort of raised the guys like, like Nishimura and Watkinson yeah,
1: he's and, a bad down, and Malcolm. Man. 10 years right? in the league, right? 10, uh, yeah, 2011 like Edmonton rush. That's when he broke in. He he could be actually like a legit stallion, like an OG stallion. 145 games in the league under John Lafontaine's belt now, and yeah, like he looks like a grizzled vet out there. He's got the big beard, and you could tell, like watching best him out.
2: best man bun in the National Lacrosse
1: League. Yeah, uh, well, Dan Teeth might have something to say about that, Brett Jellner. So just be <laughs> careful. Um, but yeah, like you
2: have it, a man bun off.
1: <laughs> a man bun off good lord uh but no he, he he's legit he's
2: sort of their heartbeat back there and i mentioned he's got an a he makes he makes big plays he's not going to score a bunch of goals in transition but he's going to make some big defensive stands he's going to play some hard and heavy minutes and the rest of the guys sort of follow suit it's like him and manny are the veterans there yep. and then there's this sort of like rolling into your prime core and albany had a great defensive effort so i had to go with an albany firewolf and it's John LaFontaine, baby.
1: Nothing wrong with that. You can tell he enjoys playing against the Rush, too. So I love a love of little sidebar conversations with some Yeah, there's
2: teammates. a few of those some smirks and yeah. all that.
1: Yeah. My Stampede Stallion of the Week just happens to be, I mentioned it, Brad, the youngest player this year in the National Lacrosse League. i am given the goalie so much love lately. I don't know what's going on with me, but Chris Origlieri. Out of Orangeville, Ontario, you want to talk about getting thrust into a tough position. Backup goaltender, never played a minute in the NLL, and I know it's 0-3 Panther City, but it's not like he was told he was starting a week ago and had time to mentally prepare and all this. Like More or less right before the game got told, kid, you're going in. And it really seems like everybody believes in this guy. Second round draft pick. But I don't think they had any inkling of of Chris seeing any type of significant minutes this season. But there he was, allowed 12, just over a 700 save percentage. But the kid got it done. And that's what a stallion is all about. So welcome to the stable, Chris O'Riglieri.
2: Yeah, it just so happens that he's another Orangeville goaltender in yeah, the national lacrosse
1: that that factory is that, and that pipeline
2: yeah. continues to roll yeah pretty pretty special performance that's something that he'll be able to draw back on his first start as an 18 year was a win in the national lacrosse league and they might need him again this weekend we don't know what's going on with frank Giuliano. how long covid protocol is if he will be in saskatchewan this weekend we're not sure so it might be it might be two in a row. It might be Ogliglieri against Saskatchewan. It's not easy. Saskatchewan. So um, we'll talk about this later. But take the over in Sask. I think that's going to be uh, a high-scoring game. But uh, both teams with a with a real good chance to win that lacrosse game. So yeah. it'll be a good one.
1: Yeah. No, I watched uh, Origlieri <laughs> got me going. O'Riglieri at the Survivors Cup uh, playing for their U19 team and you know he's you just you watching me just calm cool collecty. You know he's got a bright future ahead of him, but I don't think he nor I expected to see him start an NLL game this year, but uh one and 0 for the 19-year-old. So well done to him and, and Johnny Lafontaine as they are now members of the Stampede Stallion Break time, Brad here. Quarter one is now done. Quarter two is coming right up. And in that quarter, we will speak with the assistant general manager of the Philadelphia Wings. Landon Miller is next here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network.
3: This is Reed Bowering. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and Box Lacrosse.
1: Welcome back to La Crosse Classified as we move into quarter number two. A big thanks goes out to Associated Labels and Packaging. Best in the business when it comes to labels and packaging. Located right here in Coquitlam, over 40 years of experience. Family owned, of course, as well. And lots of good things going on down at Associated Labels and Packaging. Consumers want to feel connected to the products they buy and feel as though they buy brands, communicate with them individually, whether consumers are purchasing your product in-store or online. Many opportunities to build a strong connection with your customer. QR codes, the website, social media, packaging design, they take care of it all for you. AssociatedLP.com is where you can find them. As uh, Sean Asworth 49ers, made the playoffs. He's pretty happy right now. I picked that time to hit him up to renew his sponsorship quick trigger there good stuff so associated lp.com labels packages you know the deal by now as we welcome to the podcast for the first time the assistant general manager of the philadelphia wings former gm of the iroquois nationals landon miller on the podcast landon welcome to lax class thanks so much for doing this
3: oh thanks for having me jumbo i've uh you know, obviously listening to your uh podcast for a while and then, you know, some of the calls you've games you've called in the past. I've, you know, reached out to you after the fact to let you know how I appreciate uh your effort for this game.
1: Oh, thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate your efforts as well. Uh I I don't know where to even begin with you, Landon. Like uh, there's so many things I want to talk to you about. Um but maybe take me back to a, a young boy. Did you grow up on Six Nations Reserve? And, and obviously, the lacrosse is you know, so prominent there. I'm imagining you picked it up at a pretty young age.
3: Uh, yes and no, actually. Yeah, I was born and uh, raised at Six Nations. Uh, uh, I still have a home there. i currently living in uh, West uh, Bank, First Nation, West Kelowna. Uh, I moved here last December. Yeah, but I was born and raised up until last year. Lived my entire life on Six Nations. Um, I did have a uh, lacrosse stick early, early on in my, uh, youth. I actually didn't actually play minor lacrosse until, uh, I think it was like Pee Wee. Uh, I played, I only played like three seasons of minor lacrosse before, uh, wow.
1: three or four years of minor lacrosse before joining the Arrows, uh, as a young lad. So, um. And why was that just not something you, you're interested in doing? Did you have any brothers or sisters that, that played?
3: Um, you know what? We. Uh, I played a lot of sports. I played baseball. I played, you know, basically anything I could. basketball, I played everything. I, and again, I did play lacrosse the whole time. I just didn't have, wouldn't play in the minor. Yeah, I can tell you, you know, we came from a. I I had a brother that was, uh, you know, home with a muscular dystrophy that my parents had, my mom had to raise uh, at home and, you know, needed hundred percent care. And so, you know, their money was tight, I'm assuming as well. And, yeah. you know, it was just one of those things that, you know, you don't really, you don't know until after the fact, right? With, uh, with, you know, with growing up with uh, a brother like that, yeah. and uh, what the parents had to go through.
2: But a unique situation being there, Landon, is that, like you kind of mentioned, lacrosse is everywhere. Whether you're signed up to play in an official league or you're just playing in the backyard with your neighbors, I'm sure you could not escape it. There was no way to escape it. No, 100%. We used to play,
3: uh, I don't know how many times we used to play in the, in our, in our yards. Uh, A good friend of mine, we used to have huge tournaments and battles. Uh, Russ and uh, Nick Davis's uh, front yard, you know, we used to have tremendous lacrosse tournaments there on the weekends and stuff. And, my other buddy, uh, Don Whitlow Dobbs. he used to have a lot of games over there too. So yeah, we always just always had a stick thick in our hands.
1: Paint the paint the picture for us, Landon. In a in a setting like that, in a game like that, when you say we had huge lacrosse tournaments, was it just like, you know, people would pull up their lawn chairs and circle around, and games would go on for hours and hours. Guys would come in, guys would go out. Like, was it kind of like a lacrosse barbecue party sort of thing, or what? Did it get pretty serious and really competitive?
3: Uh, You know what, the younger we were, obviously it wasn't as serious, but we we always had, uh, so, you know, my old, uh, you know, our old squad that used to, you know, sort of rally for these games, like Delby Paulus, Kim Squire, (laughs) uh, Nick Davis, Russ Davis, uh, Blue Hill. Uh, We had like uh, a really good group of young guys and uh, we used to just, you know what, you just knew there was a game going on. If you had time to go, you went and uh, yeah, we, you know, we, you know, have, have, have hamburgers or hot dogs or something on break, but, uh, yeah, we'd play, you know, three, four hours pretty easy. And then, uh, uh, and then do it all again the next day. But, uh, it was, uh, my buddy Smed, Ashley Hill was probably, um, the most intense player I've ever played again in any way, shape or form. <laughs> he was 110%, even in, uh,
2: even in the backyard. And then, how did we get to the the junior career? How did that, how did that go for the arrows with you, Landon? Um, you know what? I started again. I started uh, minor lacrosse
3: a little bit later. I played uh, Pee Wee and a couple of years of Bantam, and then uh, I began being the uh, ball boy for the arrows at uh, I think you know first year, maybe second year Bantam. Um, I knew you know yeah, we followed uh, the arrows. Just got our junior eighteen. Uh, we were. You know, we tried for 10 years to get a team. We finally got one in 2000, uh, sorry, 1990. Um, and then I was the ball boy, I think started in 1993. Ah. Uh, I was a ball boy for a few years. And then, uh, you know, our, our midget team sort of uh, moved up, uh, which again had the likes of Ken Montour and Kimbo and uh, Delve and uh, uh, a bunch of us, you know, sort of moved up into the junior A ranks together and, you know, we had a very good uh, six. I played for six years with arrows, and I was four years as captain. Wow! Um, I got uh, you know, unfortunately, an end of my junior career. I had a career-ending um, injury that I didn't even know ended my career at the time, but it had eventually did uh, very shortly thereafter. I I broke my vertebrae in the Minto cup in two thousand eight. Or sorry, nineteen ninety eight. Um, I took half the next year off trying to recover. Couldn't find the break, um, and then eventually found it uh, about a year later. And uh, I think I only played another one or two years of senior, but uh, my junior my junior days, like most, are uh, are something that I'll always remember and cherish. No
1: doubt about it. As we speak with Landon Miller, and then I guess you know after your senior career, what, was there some coaching involved before you got into a management role, or did somebody kind of pull you in and said, "I think you'll you'll be pretty good at this. Want to give it a shot?" Actually, uh, because
3: of my injury, I played uh, two years with the Chiefs, and then I, I took a couple years off, and I played one year with the uh, Mohawk Stars, and we went to the President's Cup that year, but ultimately, when I when I pulled away from the game, I was so upset that I couldn't play the game that I, I almost couldn't watch the game either. Um, it took a couple years for me to come to grips with that, with that uh, injury, and, and um, I began starting watching, uh, watching again, and then um, you know, some, some friends, uh, some of my old teammates and stuff were starting to get involved and, you know, sort of start asking me. And then, uh, one year I just decided to, I joined the, uh, Six Nations Aerial Association, uh, membership and, uh, actually was voted in as vice president my first year. So, wow. um, actually, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I came on board early, but I, again, I was, uh, I think two years before that, but again, I was, I I would say I wasn't very much involved those first two years just because it was so hard for me to, I should have, in my mind, I should have been still playing, but uh, um, I remember that when I really took, okay, I'm going to get into this, uh, you know, at a a very, you know, serious level, then that's when I, you know, again, applied for an executive role. And then I've been, you know, vice president
2: or president uh, for the last 15 years now. Do you find like, do you find that, there's nothing like playing lacrosse, obviously the medicine game. Can you derive as much medicine being involved on a management level, broadcasting level for jumbo and I, you know, like it, it's, it's, I find like it doesn't replace playing, but it comes pretty close still being that close with the game. If you know what I mean? Oh, hundred
3: percent. I mean, uh, you know, we used to, you know, traditionally we played this for the creator, so the creator watched uh, for his enjoyment as well. And you know, anybody, uh, community, uh, kids, elders, whoever is watching the game, it gives them that. Uh, you know, it gives them it, it gives it lifts that spirit uh, when you're watching the game. It's just something that uh, I don't know. It's something that I can't describe. I mean, um, from from managing to to coaching to playing to even you know teaching young now teaching young kids you know, how to scoop the ball, you know, how to hold their, how they hold their stick. Um, All of that, uh, all of that seems to, you know, give that soul a, a really good boost.
1: That's awesome. As we speak with the AGM of the Philadelphia Wings, but before you joined the Philadelphia Wings organization, you spent a long time in Rochester winning some championships there and obviously a real tight relationship with Paul Day. How did that form?
3: When Kurt uh, Stiers actually, he was uh, working with the Six Nations Arrows at the time, and then uh, and uh, him and Louis Lewis Stotts and myself uh, were sort of, uh, Kurt was our main sponsor, uh, very involved with the team. Louis was president, I think I was vice president or vice versa at the time. Um, you know and Kurt uh Kurt you know want, purchased the Rochester Nighthawks and then Rochester Americans at the time and uh it was a very proud moment uh having a First Nations person at that you know in that professional level
1: yeah
3: I, I remember um you know and Kurt was uh had asked me to come along uh, from from day one and sort of the first first couple of years so I was uh you know sort of just kind of riding shotgun or no real no real involvement I'd say like just more from a uh, from a fan and a friend at the time. and then I think it was uh, year three uh, when um, Kurt asked me to be to have a more prominent role and uh, come on as he you know as he was going to take on the GM role, he wanted me to take on the AGM role and assist in that capacity. and I you know obviously jumped at the chance. Um, and then as far as uh, Paul Day, I mean that uh, was the I think the year after or maybe my first year, I think it was my first official year. Uh, as AGM, that, uh, you know, we made a, a, a sweeping change to the culture there, which, you know, again, no no disrespect to the culture that was there when we got there. But, um, you know, we just needed uh, a fresh outlook, uh, as any ownership or GM usually does in any professional sports. Yeah. And uh, we brought in, I know, uh, Mike Hazen and then uh, Paul Day. And, um, you know, we built... Um, I got a really strong relationship uh, with them too. And then eventually Patty O'Toole joined the coaching staff as well. And, you know, we it just, uh, they're lacrosse minds and I don't have to tell anybody this. it was, it's phenomenal sitting down and talking lacrosse with those guys. And, um, um, you know, we were able to come up with a plan uh, collectively uh, to, you know, put a team that uh, would, you know, eventually we thought would compete for a championship and uh you know everybody has plans but you know luckily for us it planned out and we were able to go on our run
1: how how did that conversation work when Paul gets the the head coach and the GM job in Philadelphia and he wants you to come with them you I imagine a pretty loyal guy to to the nighthawks and kurt like was that a, a difficult conversation uh telling him hey I think I want to go try something new in Philadelphia with Paul
3: uh, well, actually, there were. I, I took a few years off in between, so I resigned from the Nighthawks after our we got beat for our four peaks. Uh, we got beat in Toronto, which uh, I'll, I'll you know, woulda, shoulda, coulda. I think if, if Jammer doesn't blow his Achilles, I think we got a strong chance of winning four in a row there. But uh, uh I resigned after that season. Uh, I was just embarking on a uh, career change uh in launching uh tim hortons on first nations territories in canada and so i committed and focused 100 of my time to that um, and then so i actually was uh, officially away from the nll for about uh, i think three years um before paul uh you know um i forget where we were um we were at a function and uh, he sort of whispered in my ear he says you know i'm getting the job in philly and uh, i want you to come with me uh, i don't even know if you asked me he basically said you're coming with me <laughs> and i said and i said absolutely you know um, i i think it's time for me to join and i i really really like the uh, thought of building from scratch and, and taking on that challenge from an expansion team point of view
2: yeah and you guys made some some, you know, first year, some growing pains, but really coming to fruition the last, last season and this season, especially Landon, um, I'm going to talk about a couple of the the signings you guys have made and, you know, looking into your crystal ball, getting Matt Rambo and blaze reared into commit when, you know, there's other teams that were, that were nipping at them and trying to get their rights and, and seeing what a dynamic left side that is now with those two guys leading the charge, you know, do you guys envision those two coming together and, and doing what they're doing now, or was it more of a gamble at the time? Um, I wouldn't say it was a gamble. I
3: mean, uh, Paul and I are huge believers in having our players, uh, having that collaborative approach and having our players have input, whether it be the offense, whether it be, you know, sort of, obviously Paul comes up with the overall master plan, but we, you know, we, we take a lot of input from players. So I can tell you, we reached out to Brent uh, specifically about Matt Rambo we reached out to him when sort of he was looked at upon you know at the time as this uh, really good field player that, you know, wouldn't uh, or wasn't willing to come to the box uh, game, which uh, that was completely uh, not correct. Uh, when we reached out to him, he said, I'd love to play in Philly and I'd love to play with you guys the way after, you know, our first our first talk. Um, I can tell you since we've drafted him, he's been nothing but spectacular, wanting to learn what he didn't know in the box game. Um, I've never seen a guy with that much stature come to the league and want to learn. Like he was a 10 year old kid. I remember him talking to TK uh, that first training camp. I want to be the best. And right now I know I'm not in the box game and I want to learn and, I, and, he, and he soaked in everything from everybody. And he still to this day asked questions continuously, uh, which shows me, you know, what, what type of player he is and what type of person he is. Uh, Blaze is very similar. Blaze, we knew uh, we actually had our eye on Blaze uh, probably a year before any of the our team was put together. Uh, he was just built. He was that character we talk about for dressing rooms for teams um, that we wanted on our team. And uh, you know the the what he's getting now from uh, you know the PLL and the, and the uh, World Games and everything else that he it, he really deserves. That he works hard. He's a student of the game. Uh, he appreciates the the you know the aspects of where the game came from like he's just a tremendous guy to have in your dressing room and so humble uh you know and that was going back to your original question that's the type of people we want to build our team around in Philly we want hard most hard working guys in Philly
1: like i think you could probably throw guys like johnny rannigan and alex creppensec and ben mcintosh some other new players uh that you've added to your roster as well, right into that department as well. Those all, all those guys kind of speak exactly to what you were just talking about as far as their character goes. Absolutely.
3: I mean, uh, there's very few, if any issues that come up in our current locker room. And, and again, it never really gets to us because that locker room is so solid and so uh, uh, bound together that, uh, you know, they can, they can take, Typically, we don't even have to say anything as uh, the management and coaches to them. Like if we see something, uh, they've already seen it themselves and are addressing it themselves internally. And that's, um, there's been so many, uh, um, there's been so many uh, similarities to what um, we developed in Rochester, what's developing with this team. And, you know, I'm not saying, uh, I'm not going on any record and saying, you know, we're gonna accomplish the same things, but I can tell you the feel is there. The, uh, the willingness to be a team and not
1: individuals is spectacular. I wanted to bring up last week in the National Lacrosse League with you, Landon. Obviously, it's it's something the NLL and has gotten very passionate about. It's something I'm pretty passionate about as well. And I imagine you are too. Uh, every player wearing the orange Every Child Matters t-shirts uh, for warm-ups and raising awareness for residential schools and I'm not exactly sure how I want to ask the question here, but what, I guess, what did that mean to you? Not only the NLL starting this initiative, but to kind of see it all roll out and how did that impact you?
3: Um, You know what? I I think it's, uh, you know, another, another step forward. We have many steps to go, but these these are very big steps moving forward when you got national brands and national reach um, companies shedding light on, onto this subject. Um, you know, the orange shirt. I, I don't know how many are aware. I mean, there's there's definitely literature out there, but that actually started in 2013, and it was started within our nations, and it was started um Williams you know, Lake,
1: in, right? If I'm not mistaken, Landon, up right.
3: yeah, yeah, Williams Lake here in BC. Um, And you know, it was it kind of caught on uh, within our nations across Canada, but it stayed it stayed within our nation. It didn't get much, you know, fanfare because you know, again, there wasn't uh, um, there wasn't that education piece, and it wasn't until Obviously, uh, Kamloops and then the start of the uh, the discoveries. Um, they're discoveries for Canada. They're not discoveries for our people. But, uh, you know, our people knew we're screaming about this for years and years and years. But just uh, we're not nobody unable, would listen. Nobody would listen. And then it wasn't until, you know, um, it got the national attention and the national movement that it has that, because, um, the you know, the truth and legacy of the residential school system is not an indigenous uh, history. It's a, it's a Canadian history. Right. Every Canadian uh, should learn and know about it. And uh, you know, just, you know, in the national cross league, I know uh, I, uh, along with a few other indigenous uh, owners also, you know, we're able to get in collaboration with the Tim Hortons uh, um, uh, network of owners in, in corporate and launched the orange uh, donut, which we did on September 30th. Right. I saw that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and we want to make that a national thing as well to keep the much attention on this and the much of uh, if the education is there and uh, the rest of Canada knows what has happened, then it gives you the why certain things are happening and certain things are happening in our communities. It gives you that why and gives you understanding of that.
1: Yeah. Do, Do you think we can get to a point here in Canada anyways, Landon, in our education system where, they are teaching the actual history of residential schools and what really did happen at Thanksgiving um, in the States. Like it, I know it's uncomfortable and people don't really want to kind of look at it that way, but I think the more it gets talked about and, and the more it gets taught, like this is how you understand this is, and then be able to recon- reconcile after that. Yeah. I mean like it, it...
3: Um, I, I've had uh, within my business circles I had tons of people reach out after that um, the Kamloops story broke and then obviously all the other um, I believe we're over 6,000 uh, bodies now found within the, these residential schools just in Canada Yeah, and you know they're reaching out and uh, you know I kept saying just ed- educate yourselves first and then educate your kids and um, you know have your the kids you know as an adult will we'll look at that as the tragedy and as it is but as the kids they'll just at this point will will take that into their knowledge base and hopefully build on that you know moving forward to answer your question jumbo i it's going to take a long time and um you know it took hundreds of years for this to happen it's going to take a long long time for to fix it i mean we're talking generational healing that needs to happen yeah uh, my father-in-law so we're only one generation outside of this my father-in-law um
1: Um, Take your time, man. <clears throat> it's okay, Landon. I know it's. I know it's an extremely difficult thing for you to probably talk about, and if you if you can't or you don't feel comfortable, I don't want you to. Mm-hmm. To try and have to do that, but if you do, I I want to give you that avenue and runway to do so. So just let me know.
2: uh no, it's you know it, it
1: just gets uh
3: um definitely overwhelming. A lot
1: of pain. Yeah, just equating it to um to your own kids. To think about um, that if they were your kids, what what he went through. Yeah, because you know he was uh, twelve when he actually he
3: ran away from the one in Bradford in iran as far as Fort erie and uh Holy shit. i think my kids or or you know your nephew or yeah excuse me at 12 you know trying to running for your life basically across across the country um so yeah it's
1: uh it's incredible incredible to me landon and i'll just you know, try and let you compose yourself a bit. That that I think is is the most impressive thing to me about the Indigenous people is how resilient you guys have been through it all and just continue to stand up, continue to come back, continue to grow as nations uh, and bands. Like, it just, everything that you guys have gone through, and I mean, there's still... Places in our country and reservations around our country that don't have clean drinking water, for Christ's sake. So I, I just, to me, like uh, the resiliency and, and the fortitude of of the indigenous is what is the most impressive thing to me. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, it's it's
3: it's built in there. And again, uh, you know, some of this uh, you know, will will allow the healing to start which is a, which is a big thing. Um, I know right now it's dug up a lot of uh, open wounds again, but uh, you know, the, at least the healing can continue. And then, um, you know, something that a chief has said recently in one of the um, talks was, you know, uh, reconciliation is being thrown around like uh, pretty readily here and there. And, um, you know, we, we want genuine reconciliation and um, you know, some of the, uh, things you've seen in the federal government's movements uh, with the uh, you know they were they were challenging the court cases before the, the discovery of these children and uh, you know they've since settled you know because that knowledge is there you know how do you fight the kids in court when you know, we're still we're still finding them in the ground and uh you know and I think the latest one you know there's a um, child welfare um you know from start to finish there was a 40 billion dollar settlement uh, just in the last week uh, that was announced by Minister Mark Miller so these these are you know hopefully genuine steps forward and uh, you know to continue to move to move our people yeah
1: I mean I think where you're going is is like stop stop just talking about it and start doing something about it action
3: as the old saying action speaks uh, louder than words and you know um again you know the education is there the knowledge is there now let's start let's start putting
2: some actions in place what what more do you think you'd like to see from the national lacrosse league i know we had the initiative this weekend but it should be something like that you know on ongoing and steady like what do you think is in in the works that the national lacrosse league can do to to raise more awareness and eventually ways raise, raise more more funds Uh you know what um the fun part, you know, you know, raising funds and stuff. You know what?
3: That's um, I'm not too sure about that. I mean, there's there's certain avenues you can do, but I think you know, from a from what, what we can do more. Again, it's just that education piece. I think um, you know, we're we're playing a, a game that was created by my nations, uh, the, uh, the Haudenosaunee and you know, just teach, even just purely teaching that history, um, you know, sort of, we have a, a draft package to give in every draft pick that comes in a national lacrosse league. Let's include, you know, a history of the game in that package and um, you know, where it's come from and why it's played. I mean, that's, that's another, that's a, to me, that's an easy uh, big step to make um, as from a league point of view.
1: Where, where do you come out on playing the hood and a song before a game? Like I, I I'm on board with, Scrap the Canadian, scrap the American, and let's just play the Haudenosaunee before every lacrosse game that's played.
3: You know what? You know, we're – I can't speak – I can only speak for myself and, and, and where I, you know, my knowledge and stuff. I I don't, I don't know. We've never – you know, we give thanks when we gather we never really been, you know, play a, play an anthem, which even, even that there's, you know, we technically don't.
1: Yeah. I don't an like anthem. to call it an anthem. Cause I don't we, think that's what it is. Yeah, right?
3: We do our best to come up with something, but I mean, ultimately we always give thanks to be able to play the creators game. And then maybe, maybe it's just that, you know, uh, a quick thank you that we're all gathered and we're able to play. Um, I like it. As far as an anthem goes, you know, we've <laughs> Uh, we've always struggled with that but uh, you know I I think uh, again just some simple steps about again that education piece and uh, you know uh, on why and why we're playing the game
1: Landon we could easily go another hour with you here man I sincerely appreciate your time your openness about it all and I wish you and the Philadelphia Wings the best of luck the rest of the, the way here I know going from West Bank to to the city of brotherly love is not a short jaunt so safe travels along the way my friend thanks for doing this so much thanks guys thanks Landon there he is uh, Brad uh I'm so glad we had a chance to have Landon on and I mean you could tell the emotions that uh were displayed right there that was uh that was a one of our more I don't know what the word for it is that was that was a harsh conversation right there, but one again that needs to continue to happen to spread the awareness and to educate people that don't know. Yeah. Power powerful, I guess,
2: is is powerful and emotional, I guess is is the word. And yeah, it is about getting 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 it out there. You know, we've talked about it with land acknowledgements in broadcasts and the Warriors doing thank you's before their couple games and some other teams starting to incorporate that now too. And you know, he makes need that good point something. about
1: We need to make that great
2: point about getting the welcome back to to players in the national lacrosse, but I don't even think it's players in the national lacrosse. You get that down to, you know, I'm thinking about coaching my Tykes again this summer. If my daughter ends up playing, And then the first practice is going to be everybody gathers around and gets a little history lesson and a little lesson in in respect and how to respect the game and, and where it came from and then how to be respectful of, Love it. of people going going forward, right? I think that's from that's from mini-type on up. That's like every time you have your stick in your hand, you should know why, when, where, how, and and all of it together. So it's nice to hear Landon in the National Cross State doing big things with the Philadelphia Wings. He does huge things in his community in, in West Bank and as a business owner. Um, and so, yeah, fantastic to have him on the show. We appreciate his time.
1: Yeah, I never had a conversation with Landon, and I'm so glad that we just did that. So...
2: That was the first my my, my first conversation you with know, him Like, wait, welcome, welcome to the conversation. Let's just uh, open it up. And yeah, that makes uh, that, that eat, makes that's, uh, that's pretty raw from him, and kudos to him
1: for yeah, opening up like that. Absolutely, that uh, makes Malowski look like uh, rainbows and sunshine. After that, man, that was <laughs> that was something. Let's take a quick break. Compose ourselves here, Brett Challoner. We got half a more podcast to go. Quarter three is coming up next. Quick sticks are on deck. EP one sixty six is back after this.
2: Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level.
1: Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer Kevin Finneran. You're listening to Lacks Class. Welcome back to Lax Class. Second half action now underway. I don't know why my volume's so high, so let me turn that down. Uh, Quick sticks here in quarter number three. J. Kelly, Brad Challenger with you. And a bunch of quick sticks to plow through here on EP 166. So here we go. Uh, AOL update, I saw the Blackfish beat the unbeaten Grizzlies over the weekend, so no more undefeated teams in the AOL, I think Seaspray got the other, Keegan Bell actually played very well, I think he had 5-3 and in the game that he played for the Seaspray, Real good players out there in the ALL. You can check out those games on TFSC-TV through Langley Events Center. They play on the weekends. Also playing on the weekends is the ALL Women's West, Brad. Uh, Cheryl and Billy, who who spends her time up in Merritt, uh, putting this together, over 80 women signed up to play in the ALL Women's West League. Inaugural game kicked off on Sunday. This is absolutely fantastic that there is this amount of girls, women, it's almost almost as many as the men. Like
2: there's four men's teams
1: of like 20, right? So it's, it's on par. That's fantastic. Ah, just spectacular. Kudos to her. Well done to all the the ladies out there at the LEC. Just the beginning. I think this thing's going to blow up. Speaking of blowing up, uh, there's a segue. The Toronto beaches owner, I think president uh, Jason Shuttleworth, who stopped by Lax Class a couple of, well, about a month ago, I guess now, uh, also involved with the TLL, things apparently getting a little messy there, so Jason Shuttleworth has stepped down from the Toronto Beaches, which I think might just put the Beaches back in good standing with the Ontario Junior Lacrosse League, if you know what I'm saying there, Brad, so... Keep an eye on that story as it develops. I wanted to give props out to the National Lacrosse League. I happened to stumble across the plays of the month of December. I would like to see plays of the week and plays of the month. I don't want to get greedy, but plays of the month were pretty cool, and I look forward to January's plays of the month. So nicely done there. Uh, We talked about this when we were talking about jerseys the Other episode, Brad, about you know who we liked, who we didn't really like. I asked the question, Why do the San Diego Seals wear black shorts with purple and gold uniforms? Well, if you took notice on uh Saturday night down there at Pachanga Arena, the Seals were wearing purple shorts. Brad, I'm not saying, Hey, this is, I'm responsible some for genie this. Granted your wish.
2: What else? A what uh, uh, coincidence,
1: Jumbo? possibly. <laughs> Uh, lax class listener maybe i don't know what what happened there but the seals are wearing purple shorts and i'm here for it so well done there uh speaking of women's lacrosse the east coast junior lacrosse league is starting up women's junior a lacrosse back there so like this is this is really starting to happen now for for the women brad this is east coast and they got four teams of women ready to play some junior lacrosse back there which is just It's outstanding. Scheduling note here, Swarm and Bandits game that was scheduled for Saturday. They didn't want to go up against the Bills who are in a playoff game, so they've moved that game to Friday, which I'm also here for. Swarm and Bandits now on Friday. Take note of that. We'll keep going here, Brad. Uh, Where do you want to go next? How about Kitten Couch Locks? I don't know if you saw this. Corey Small, the kitten, of course, Brad, uh, on Instagram. Look this up while I'm telling you about it. Corey Small on Instagram apparently got himself a new stick over the weekend, and it's cold, it's wet, it's snowy back there in St. Catherine. So Corey Small set up in his living room on his, like, sectional couch, three pillows for, like, targets, and the guy is standing like 30 feet away from his couch, whipping balls indoors into pillows on his couch for target practice. I can't imagine Lauren can be too happy about that. Like if he misses or one, just a little, something is getting broken the way he's letting these things fly. Kitten couch lacks. check this out.
2: No, he says not wife approved. I think I think it's hilarious because we talked about a couple weeks ago. I got a new stick for Christmas, and it hasn't. I it's been snowing and raining here, so I haven't had a chance to take it to a wall of the box yet because the ground is soaking wet here. So I started doing the exact same thing that Corey Smalls do, and maybe not as accurately, but um. And then my kids started picking up. Right, my wife's got this she's like, Hey, no, it's not happening in the house. No, no condition. Right. <laughs> so I go, I showed her the video that Adam Levy shared. I don't know who it is someone in the States, I think, but they've got one of the um, one of those mesh rebounding walls in their living room. And this like eight year old kid is just firing. Yeah. I think he's going for like a hundred thousand shots, lefty and righty over the course of six months or something. It's right beside the couch. The dad is sitting on the couch, reading a book, not even flinching as this kid is whipping balls five feet away from his head. I said, hey, look, this is what my kids could be doing in a couple of years. My wife's like, no, no, nope.
1: backyard, outside, not in the here. I'm oh, having around all the glass. But no, that's, uh, that's funny. Pretty awesome stuff. And when you're a sniper like Corey Small, you can probably be pretty confident. You're yeah, gonna he's dialing
2: it in. He's uh, dialing it in.
1: This just breaking out today, Brad, the world championships, the field lacrosse world championships that were scheduled to be played in. Coquitlam I want to say back in 2021 those got bumped it looked like it was going to be in LA pandemic stepped in they will now be played in 2023 down in San Diego Steve Gavitt Josiah involved with this venture and uh, when these two guys put their mind to something they're going to make a successful world championships down in San Diego I'd love to be working this tournament I don't know if that'll happen or not but uh if it doesn't I'm I think I'm gonna take a vacation down there
2: yes, I mean, yeah Samia this is absolutely fantastic and great news that we have something on the international calendar it's mm. it's been a while with things getting moved around so to have something to to look forward to it was funny because I read the headline I was like oh 2023 you don't have to start thinking about that yet and I was like no no it's 2022 now 2023 is actually next summer when this is actually going to be going down yeah, so it's coming up
1: yeah.
2: a lot quicker there's construction going down on a 35,000 um, seat stadium down there so to have the world come to a beautiful spot like that to showcase and that's that's where it needs to be right now like that's a real burgeoning lacrosse scene you've got an NLL team there you got PLL headquarters in LA they want to showcase for the Olympics in 2028 i think you kind of have to do it in california and obviously the right people um behind behind, behind yeah. the cause too right so
1: lots of lots uh, of
2: it's fun to have something on the calendar
1: lots of field lacrosse down there in san diego so i think it's going to be a big hit and i plan to be there one way or the other brad uh i unfortunately or fortunately depending on which way you want to look at it did not uh get a chance to to see this but boy did i ever get a lot of messages post game about it uh, i don't know if it happened to catch your eye or not but apparently During the Warriors game on on Friday night, uh, I don't know if it was during the flex cam or not, uh, you know, when the kids take their shirts off and flex for the. But apparently, there was a a rather good looking woman who decided to uh, take her top off and start taking some (laughs) pictures with some fans around in the stand. She was uh, asked to leave the building. It made the Jumbotron? It did it did it didn't did it make the broadcast <laughs> it did not make the broadcast <laughs> no, but it made I the in-house jumbotron i did not see this but uh there's a lot of people saying that they saw it in fact and uh you know <laughs> 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 johnny wilson uh former Belly, former laker great player back in his day messaged me and he says jumbo help me explain or understand something he goes how can how come it's okay for you know all these guys to take off their shirts and flex but one female does it and and out the door she goes so <laughs> know. you know um, i watched the tape back i i just for research purposes brad but uh did not uh, catch a glimpse they um
2: they they party pretty hard and the stands at rogers i love I say it that. like i i don't know if you caught this but like late in the game in the fourth quarter the glass behind carlson there was like six dudes like really really shaking the glass and like the, the camera and the red light were all rocking back and forth and i got a little spooked there for a second i thought this glass could come down on TC, yeah. and then security got in and got involved. Right, but five dollar beers are flowing. Yeah, the, uh, we definitely picked up on the broadcast when <laughs> McLaughlin scored. I don't know if it was the, one of his goals, one of his few. Yeah, yeah. Um, he goes and he bangs on the glass. He celebrates on the glass. He just gets a big middle finger right in his face <laughs> through the glass, and that picked up on the broadcast. That I love. It. Yeah, like, that's just smash. That's what you want Ben's coming into your right home here. building. Yeah, was, you want it
1: to be that. a unfriendly place at a tough place to come
2: and play five dollar beers people haven't been able to get together in a long time so i think people boys were just boys are having fun at the raj
1: yeah it was a good time uh the last one i got here and it's a bit of a sad one unfortunately former owner when i was the junior Adnac, uh and of course father of uh lance andre who now owns the maple ridge Berards. adam andre who was just an absolute fixture around Reeks throughout the lower mainland for a long long time uh, passed away due to heart failure just about a year after his lovely wife Jean andre left us and, and that tends to happen sometimes with couples that were together for a long long time one goes and the other follows along not too shortly after and and uh, lance posting last night a heartfelt goodbye to his dad and uh, a guy that I got a lot of fond memories with and and about, and uh, lacrosse community losing another good one, a legend in Adam Andre. So we say rest in peace to him. Quick sticks are done. We still got another quarter to go. Lax Class Locks, and who you got is coming up. Stick with us, EP166. Lax Class is back after this.
2: Hey, this is Jeff Snyder. You're listening to Lax Class, your go-to source for all things NLL and box across.
1: Welcome back to Lax Class. Into the fourth quarter we go. No more breaks here on the podcast. Jake Elliott, Brad Challoner, and now joining the podcast, as he always does for quarter number four, is Evan Sheminar Evan, welcome to the podcast. We have been... Uh... Chit chatting away here, so we are going to jump right into things. No time for small talk. It's time for who you got. It's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. Who, who you got? Who? You got brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear. And what else can I tell you about Stampede Tack and Western? Sometimes life is all about accessories. At Stampede Tack, they carry a stable full of choices for you. Have you ever found it hard to find a good quality belt these days? Look no further than Stampede Tack and Western Wear. They only carry 100% leather belts that are made to last. Huge selection made in Canada and the US that'll stand the test of time. Head out to Cloverdale or shop online at stampede.ca. Need a belt? Go to Stampede. Who you got time, boys? But before we get into it here, let's announce the week six winner of who you got. It is former National Lacrosse League player, former Bandit, former Roughneck, former Stealth, former Blazer. 33, the Hurricane, Johnny Harnett is your week six winner of who you got. Congratulations to John Harnett. Uh, what did he do, Evan? How did you like, Did was he perfect? He went 5-0. and oh. That's He's the only one that went 5-0.
0: Oh. Only one. Wow.
1: Impressive. Impressive stuff. Congratulations, John Harnett. Your prize pack is on its way. Don't forget, you can still sign up, win weekly prizes, still compete. If you go 5-0 and oh every week, you can still win the grand prize as well. Go to the Twitter account. Uh, link is there. Office Pool Junkie. Search who you got. To, uh, figure it out because uh, we don't have time today to run down all the rules and stuff like that. So, Evan, I believe you came out on top between the three of us. I did. In week oh, six. Finally, so, finally uh, I don't
2: have to host one? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Well,
1: yeah, you know,
0: hey. I, I, we'll see the when Tom actually host one because he's falling way
2: down he's like in the f- yeah pretty pretty far down the list we're not yeah.
1: talking about that right now let's get on to week seven here <laughs> a big week on deck Evan. let's go all right so
0: now this was supposed to be a saturday game it's moved up to friday 7 30 p.m in bandit land the one and two georgia swarm the three and
1: oh buffalo Bandits. jake elliott who you got I got, uh, th- all these games are a little bit tricky this week. Uh, I am, uh, I thought about maybe just doing opposite week or just, uh, flipping a coin for every game, but this game, I think I'm pretty confident in, I'm taking the Buffalo Bandits who have yet to lose a game. They're at their home floor. I'm putting an eight beside the Buffalo Bandits. Brad Chandler, who you got?
2: 7.30 on a... F- Friday, nothing Nothing changes for me. This, So I thought maybe some teams might get affected if you change from their, their weekly schedule or you mix, mix the routines up a little bit by moving this one from Saturday to Friday. Doesn't affect anything between the Buffalo Bandits and the Georgia Storm. Pretty confident the Bandits move to 4-0 and with an 8 score.
0: Yeah, I've got them for an 8-2. Don't see anything changing. Uh, you know, they, they impressed. Georgia struggled. I think it's pretty simple. Now, the game in Saskatchewan, which is a makeup game. And one thing, if you made your picks on this game before about 5 p.m. Monday, go take a look because it wasn't on the board. You're going to have to make the pick again. San Diego visiting Saskatchewan. Jake Elliott, who you got?
1: The coin will tell me, boys. Head stands for home. I'm taking Saskatchewan with a four. Saskatchewan for Brad Chalor. Oh,
2: pandering to Rush Nation here. I just, I these are two teams are heading in the opposite directions right now. San Diego is playing some phenomenal offense. Nothing can stop their offense right now. Saskatchewan still struggling for that identity and that secondary goal scoring. I don't think Frank Giuliano coming in not going to change my mind on this game. Even if he's not there, I still think we're going to see a freaking shootout. <laughs> and the seals are going to come on top, though, with a with a seven. Oh, seven yeah. seal seven. Yeah. You just picked the we
1: seals with a seven? seven. Oh
0: my, okay, okay. Now I'm going to reserve my right to change this later in the week because once we find out well, I think if Cristiano is we going to play or not, right?
2: Yeah. That's the problem. It's not going to um, change it. Not going to change it. it I think it's it, uh, it might change the the final score whether it's going to be a shootout or not, but yeah.
1: I, I, I don't keep, know no, I don't you know can change your pick up until face-off time too. If somebody goes yeah. on COVID protocol and you think, oh, I don't you can change your pick. This is Monday. This is who we're picking. Mm-hmm. Just pay attention accordingly. All right.
0: Now, yeah, I, I've got to work on a few assumptions here. The assumptions being Frankie tested positive. Frankie was in San Diego at the time. If that's the case, he can't travel to saskatchewan that's the rules with the canadian immigration that becomes a problem and that's why for now i've got saskatchewan for a seven i would have taken san diego but without frankie i just don't see it well happening. we know is frank
1: down there we don't even know maybe he couldn't travel we don't to know. san diego so he could still be in canada so
0: so that's the thing is that that would change my pick in an instant if that is not the case. Who are you taking it? Who you got? I, I'm taking Saskatchewan for seven. Okay. But that's the thing is that if if that one factor changes, okay. I'm taking San Diego. Okay. So, we heard you. Let's all go. All right. So let's go. Um uh, Albany off their first one of the season, headed to Philadelphia three and one wings. One and two Firewolves. Jake Elliott, who you got?
1: Lax Class Bump with Landon Miller just on the program. Wings three and one. Give me the wings with a seven. Jay. Brad Chandler, who you
2: got? Yeah, tough, tough. I'm not going to argue it. I think Philadelphia, they're 3-0 and at home. They've got a noon start under their belt already and proved successful. And I just think their offense is a little bit more experienced than Albany's is. Even though they're coming off a big win, even though Ryan Banesh is there and Dougie Jameson played fantastic. I just think that deep wings offense gets it done. No matter who's in that, whether it's Penny, whether it's Higgins, who knows? Uh, Low confidence. So give me the wings with a four.
0: Yeah, I didn't notice that that it's a noon game. That uh, maybe affects me a bit, but I'll still stick with what I got. I got Philly for a five. Don't see them losing at home. They're comfortable with this noon game. Let's keep going. All right. 7 p.m. start in Toronto while in Hamilton. Game of the week. No No crowd. Keeping, keep in mind, no crowd in the stands. Halifax, 2-0, Toronto Rock,
1: 2-2. Jake Elliott, who you got? Klein will tell me. Heads for home team. Give me Toronto and a five. Brad Schellner, we well, got? Jim, on
2: Jamie Dawick side, I, I'm going to have to apologize to Jamie again. I know Halifax hasn't played since 1986, <laughs> seemingly. Um, <laughs> but they're 2-0, and and hopefully they've got some of their injuries recovered and guys are starting to heal up. Toronto's coming off that tough loss, but i got to take the Halifax Thunderbirds with a six. Um, Really curious to see how this is going to play out on TSN, though, with no fans. Uh Like, yeah, hockey, you know, we talk about it all the time. Like, lacrosse has to have the music playing because there's not a lot of game sounds on turf, right? Everything's so dampened. You don't get squeakers sneaking like you do in basketball. You don't get hockey skates digging into the ice. Like, so the atmosphere is going to feel really kind of weird and spooky watching this one um but tsn game of the week john abbott and hopefully pat gregoire off there you the go. Prof- protocol list yeah.
0: but nothing saying they can't crank the music anyways no right they will. What
2: is, I, that's what i think it's going to be it's just going to be music Gents. cranked because uh, music change with possession changes and then announcers over the music like it's going to be different it's going to be weird be different. it's going to be different like Evan, the, 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 just the, the crowd in Banditland with the with the get in the box and all the stuff that like the atmosphere that they were having in in Buffalo a couple nights ago is what I think we're really going to, we're really going to miss. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah. uh, This is, this is my four
0: game. This is the tough one. The only reason it's a tough one is like you said, Halifax hasn't played in five weeks. That's a long time, but I still got faith in the Thunderbirds. They're still my number one team in the power rankings. Give me the Thunderbirds for four. Mm. And you guys are in trouble this week.
1: You guys are in trouble this week, let me tell you.
0: So, this is the interesting one here. The 0 3 Riptide, the 0 4 Panther City Lacrosse Club. Somebody's going to get their first win. Jake Elliott, who you got?
1: Warning issued. I think the Riptide get their first W of the season. Home floor, Jeffrey Teat is back. Riptide with a six. Brad Chandler, who you got? Here,
2: kitty, kitty. <laughs> I think the Panther City Lacrosse <laughs> Cup gets their <laughs> first win. Again, New York's, New York's been uh... off forever, and they're going to have Jeff Teat back and Crawford and all the like there, but... Panther City's just do they've played some really good games really tight games this is a real far roadie for them so that'll be the tough thing to see but New York just hasn't played in in a while for the opposite reasons I'm taking Halifax I'm taking Panther City with a five if I had a hot take
0: for this for this week here's my hot take I think Panther City Pulls a Jenner this season. I just don't have the confidence in him as much as it's New York. I'm, I'm <laughs> well, sorry. Un- what, what is, what is pulling a Jenner? What before is pulling we get a- in trouble from our <laughs>
2: friend.
0: <laughs> the, the Jenner is a team that wins one game all season. Uh, and the oh, reason we call oh, it character. the Jenner well, is that, that could be,
2: old- that could be the whole Edmonton rush from that well, season. Yeah. That could be, uh...
0: <laughs> uh, but the thing is there's one person that's pulled it off twice. Oh, Right, he also pulled it off uh, the Anaheim so Storm. Go. That's why it's the uh What a loser! But, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, anyways,
1: all kidding aside, Teddy, uh, gonna take the take New York for a six. New York for a six. I took all five home teams. Uh, so. well, the coin took two of them, but I'm Riding the home team this week uh, Who you got picks, make them accordingly Don't forget to get those in Before the first game kicks off Don't forget you can change them right up to face-off time As well, let's keep rolling Boys, uh, who you got is done But now it's time for Lax Class Locks It's locked
0: I am, I declare Locked good of away
1: it's a big luck, all right. Lax Class Locks brought to you by Cool Bet Canada. Stay cool, bet responsibly. Don't forget, here people, we're going to be talking about this a lot this season as it moves along here. If you haven't signed up yet, that is perfect. Make sure when you do, use that bonus code, Lax Class. They'll match up to $200 on your first-time deposit. Not only lacrosse on there, they got uh, hockey, football, basketball. They got it all, essentially. Uh, college football, big game coming up tonight. Uh, coolbet.com, bonus code LAXCLASS, $200. bucks. they will match it, first-time deposit. Do it. LAXCLASS locks. Uh, Evan, you go first with your private We're all 0-3 again on our parlays. Nobody came through on on. Winning some jumbo bucks last week, did they? Nope.
0: I got burned on the what was the over under in Vancouver?
1: Yeah, I, had, I think you know, a lot I mean, of. People I was there. so far off on that one. I but. think a lot of people were.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, parlay All right. time, Evan. Lay it out. Here we go. So, there's a couple of these handicaps which don't make a whole lot of sense to me. So I'm gonna take a couple of them here. First off, Philly at a plus one point five. So you not only get Philly, you get a
1: gold gold buffer buffer. yeah
0: i'm gonna i'm gonna take that at a plus 140 you got the riptide also at a plus one This shocked me i hopped on this too you're getting that buffer once again a plus 155 give me the riptide and my third one buffalo against the money line minus 127 get this that parlay uh 20 bucks pays
2: 198.78 juicy Brad? Explain this to me, though, fellas, because I was trying to figure it out again. I still can't wrap my head around handicap. So, usually, the f- team that's favorited to win gets a minus 1.5. Right. In these two scenarios, Albany, Philadelphia is to win, Albany's minus
0: 1.5. Right.
2: In the other game, it's backwards. Panther City's actually favorited to win, and they're minus 1.5. So, how does it work with those? Two games. Why are those so,
0: different? I I don't know why, but Panther City would have to win by two to win on the handicap, and same with Albany.
1: It's crazy. So it's it's weird. It almost but seems that's backwards what it is. to me. But yeah, so that's what it is, and that's part of the uh, benefit. A lot of gamblers, a lot of betters, will like to wait right up until game time, so they know and they got all the information that they can gather. Well, we do this here on a Monday, like we don't know who's going to end up on COVID protocols. We don't injury reports and all that sort of stuff. So these are our best guesses, essentially, early in the week here. But what that does is sometimes the line will change as the week moves along and you can get way better odds earlier in the week than you can as the betters lay down their money. Things will change and all the rest of it. So that's why.
2: So my parlay is going to be money line Panther city over New York with a minus one Oh eight. I've got an over under in the San Diego, Saskatchewan game, take the over at 21.5, whether Frankie's there or not. Um, and my handicap, if I've worked this out correctly, Halifax, Thunderbirds, a rock, Halifax at minus 1.5. So they need to win by two for that bet to pay if you put all those three together 20 bucks will win you one seventy seven ninety six.
1: not bad not bad uh i i didn't know what to do because i just feel like i am horrible at this and i you know i want to encourage the people to support what i'm doing here and believe in what i'm doing so maybe what you should do at this point is just do the opposite of what i'm about to do and see how that plays out for you maybe hedge your bets and and do both i don't know But uh, what I'm saying right now is until I get a a W of jumbo box under my belt here, buyer beware, user at your own risk, all that sort of stuff. San Diego at Saskatchewan over under of 21.5. Give me the over because nobody likes the under. The under sucks to play because then you're just hoping for a low scoring game. Give me the goals. I'm going over in Saskatchewan 110. Buffalo to win by two at minus 1.5 at plus 120. And the New York Riptide to lose by no less or more than one goal or just win the game outright. I can't even believe this odd, to be quite frank, at plus 155 on their home floor up against an undefe- un- a winless team. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm taking it while I can before it changes That is a total of plus 971 times 20 jumbo dollars. Gets you a total return of 214.20. Woo. Mm. (laughs) Juicy, juicy stuff right there. So there are your lax class locks. That was a monster program. Uh, Big thanks goes out to Landon Miller. For stopping by the podcast, uh, RyCore Construction, who I apparently failed to mention during the podcast. Make sure you check these guys out, Construction.com. Make it stand out. They Actually, I picked up some swag over the last week uh, from Ryan there. Uh, got a hoodie, got a t-shirt, got himself a hat. RyCore Construction, make it stand out. Stampede Tech, Associated Labels and Packaging, and, of course, the NLL Warriors As well, uh, I think that is it. Thanks for listening to Lax Class, everybody. We'll be back next Tuesday, every Tuesday, right here via the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. But for now, we are done. For Brad Choner, for Evan Scheminar, I've been Jake Elliott. For the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.